0: Listen now for the word of God found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to share a meal in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give your seat to this other person. Embarrassed, you will take your seat in the least important place instead when you receive an invitation go and sit in the least important place when your host approaches you he will say friend move up here to a better seat then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests all who lift themselves up will be brought low and those who make themselves low will be lifted up then jesus said to the person who had invited him When you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind. And you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. This is the word of God or the people of God.
1: Thanks. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> One cloudy Sunday morning when Sarah Miles was forty-six. She walked into a church. She'd always admired the Greek Orthodox building down the street, but this particular morning she just happened to be walking by when she heard singing wafting through the open doors. As a journalist, Miles was trained to follow her curiosity wherever it led her. And so it led her inside. In her book, Take This Bread, A Radical Conversion, she says, up until that moment, I had led a thoroughly secular life, at best indifferent to religion and more often appalled by its fundamentalist crusades. But when she stepped inside the vestibule that morning, she was immediately taken by the brightly colored artwork overhead, angular Greek icons of the saints dancing joyfully around the dome. It almost looked as if the mural itself were moving. And then as she moved further inside, following the sound of singing, she found a circular sanctuary with a table at the center. Miles has no memory of the words said that day, humbling for us preachers. It's easy to forget the words. But what she does remember, what she'll never forget, was that when the time came for communion, everyone rose and they began a slow, stately dance, with arms on each other's shoulders, encircling the communion table with movement and song, just like those painted saints above. Now, in most Greek Orthodox churches, it's only the priest, the acolyte, and the cantor who circle the table, but at St. Gregory's, everyone is invited into the dance without exception. Why? Because there, inscribed upon the table at the center, are the words of the 7th century bishop and orthodox theologian. They say, did not the Lord share the table of tax collectors and harlots? So then, do not distinguish between worthy and unworthy. All must be equal in your eyes to love and to serve. And So Sarah Miles, just a stranger walking by, broke bread with them and passed it around. She, a queer atheist, drank sticky, gross wine and passed it around too. And in that moment, she says she realized two things. First, God is alive. And second, there's a little piece of God inside a little piece of bread. And that little piece of bread inside her. Yes, God was both alive and within her. And that was her first communion. And so thus began Miles' lifelong process of conversion. Week after week, she was eating what she was becoming and becoming what she ate—a little piece of God. Over time, the practice of communion, or Eucharist as some call it, became her life's work. Jesus did command, on the last night after all, to remember him by sharing a meal. And so Sarah literally shared meals. She began a food pantry, sharing thousands of meals with hungry families, sharing meals around the same table where she had received her first communion. And one food pantry became many food pantries. A handful of church members became an army of volunteers. And scarcity turned into a steady stream of money and food that flowed through the church like water. None of it was efficient, she said. Some said her ministry was unsustainable. She said there were days she wanted to strangle the people at the pantry, and days they certainly wanted to strangle her. It was messy and complicated work. But Miles has come to believe that efficiency is an idol. Nothing about God is efficient, she says. God takes God's time. God's love is abundant, profligate, and over the top. God isn't good at measuring things out accurately. God just pours out grace without discretion. And so, at St. Gregory's, that messy, extravagant communion happens every Sunday through the Eucharist and every Friday through the pantry. Both simple meals with the power to save. In our Gospel reading this morning, Jesus shares a meal, a Sabbath meal, at the house of a Pharisee. And there he commits a grave party foul. He ratchets up the tension that has been building between him and the Jewish authorities, which will eventually culminate in his arrest. He's already gleaned wheat on the Sabbath. He's also healed people on the Sabbath. And now he was saying scandalous things at the Sabbath table. He said, when you go to a wedding, don't sit at one of the good seats. Instead," Sit at a good seat only if the host asks you to. And when you throw a dinner party, don't invite your friends and family or the wealthy. Instead, invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind. So this talk was not only a party foul. It would have struck the Pharisees as blasphemy. You see, the table was the center of Jewish religious life. And so table rules were religious rules, and religious law was the law. That meant breaking the conventions of the table was equivalent to criminal behavior, and Jesus was guilty as charged. He flouted their purity laws when he said, what went in your mouth didn't make you unclean, it was what came out of your mouth. And he blatantly disregarded them when he invited unclean people to his table, peoples like Gentiles and women, the diseased and the disabled, even those with corrupt occupations like tax collectors and prostitutes. Here was this blasphemous rabbi Jesus reclining at their table, telling them they should have invited the unclean to break bread among them. And what's more, he told them they should get off their high horses off their high seats and give away their seats of honor. His new table ethics flipped the table and flipped their society upside down, afflicting the comfortable and comforting the afflicted. He was revealing the nature of the kingdom of God when he called for a table that was circular and wide, where it had always been long and narrow. His dinner parties embodied an alternative kingdom, a power structure as level as a table. His ministry placed sharing meals at the center, teaching us that salvation is something that we share as a community. And it has to do with providing for each other. Now wait a second. What does that mean that our salvation is something we practice in community? How far should we take this theology of the table? So far, in fact, that the great story of salvation stretching from Genesis to today, the entire life, death, teachings and of Jesus Christ, and the very nature of the kingdom of God and all of human existence, it all is encapsulated here everything we believe as Christians. That's why we come here each week. Now remember, a table, again, is something that's horizontal. It's not vertical like a wall. So that means two things. First, just like the table is level, so is the kingdom of God. Around God's table, everyone sits at the same height and the welcome is wide. And second, it means that our salvation is not a private affair, just between us and our God. It's something we do as a community, as the body of Christ. How so? Well, I've heard it explained this way recently. Most Christians think of salvation vertically. And in this popular theology, God is quite literally the higher power. He's the guy sitting at the highest place at the table, so high, in fact. He's referred to as the man upstairs and pictured as an old white man reclining in the clouds. This vertical God exerts power over you. And this power is exerted in the form of rules to obey. If you obey the Father's rules, you're right with God. You're reconciled. You're saved. Morality, purity, that means following the rules. But at Jesus' table, he lays out a horizontal conception of salvation, serving up a new story of the kingdom of God. It flouts all the rules and includes everyone, even those deemed unclean. Just as the table is level, the kingdom of God is here beside us. It is not above in the clouds. Inequalities are leveled out as the humble are exalted and the exalted are humbled. And no one is excluded on the basis of purity. Everyone is fed. And just as food is passed around the table from person to person, God's grace is something that passes in the spaces between us. A gift lovingly given from me to you and you to another and passed on and on and round and round until everyone has had their fill. It is not a reward dropped from the sky for good behavior. In other words, in a horizontal table ethic, moral behavior is defined not as obeying rules, but as a concern for the welfare of those beside you, making sure everyone's invited, making sure they all have a seat, and that everyone is well fed. Grace is radical hospitality to the stranger, putting what we believe into action. So the righteous ones wouldn't be sitting at the best seats. They would be giving up their seats to the hungry and the poor. And someone who honors a table theology, honors the image of God in the people beside them by serving them. Someone with a vertical table theology will give honor to the rule followers and those who sit in high places. And invariably, whenever there's a hierarchy, to get on top, you have to put people below you, people of the wrong religion, the wrong profession, the wrong side of the law. You'd live out that idea that some are more deserving than others. As I'm always saying to you friends, our theology matters. It matters because it guides and informs how we live in this world. So let us practice a horizontal table ethic here and in the world. Sunday after Sunday, let us, like Sarah Miles, eat what we become and become what we eat, a little piece of God. Let us keep passing the bread and the love around between us until one day all are fed and we are nothing but the body of Christ, through and through. Amen.